Welcome to episode 35 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 4. We are all one spirit, one heart, and together we are creating a library of stories. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, before I introduce our topic for today and our guest for today, I want to take some time to talk about current affairs and the changes that these current affairs are having on our lives. The pandemic has changed our lives in ways we haven't seen since World War II. And I'm willing to bet that life will never be the same again. Here are some of the drastic changes that have occurred. Everyone except essential workers are working from home, so companies will be reducing their office space. Working from home is the new normal and will likely be permanent. There is a rise of virtual businesses. Doctors are seeing patients virtually. Education is near virtual and shopping is almost, almost all virtual. We are now practicing social distancing. The way we greet each other has changed drastically. I can no longer um, hug and kiss my friend when I'm meeting him or her. And that I really miss. There is more cooking happening from home versus eating out, etc., etc., etc. And these are just a few changes that are occurring. There is so much more that's happening. Last week, we saw another change. We changed our leader. We changed the president of United States of America. And this only happened with the will of the people. Now, this is not a political statement. I'm only trying to bring out the fact that a change occurred. And I feel it is a sign from the universe that change is needed. Another big change that happened, which I'm very passionate about, is that Kamala Harris became the first woman vice president of this country. She is now with that shattered the glass ceiling and she's given so much hope to the younger generation and especially uh, the girls about the possibilities of what they can do in America. So all of this change is happening. The, the new post-pandemic world is not going to be anywhere close to the old pre-pandemic world. The question is, how are we going to be changing? We have been given this time to pause, to think, and to reset. Are we doing that? The world is going to change no matter what. What is going to be our role in this change? And if we don't change, it is us who are going to lose out and we will be left behind. So what I'm just trying to tell my listeners is let's use this time to understand and to determine what our role is going to be in this new post-pandemic world. Okay, I am glad I was able to share with everyone what was on my mind. With that, let's move on to introducing our guest for today. Our guest has experienced firsthand how the stresses of life can take a toll on your physical and mental health. She strives to empower others to create a healthy, balanced life. Through her book, her podcast, and coaching, she shares with authenticity and vulnerability how to use practical habits and routines 
to create a life you love. Everybody, let's welcome Chantelle Cox. Hello, Chantelle. Thank you for being on my show. I am so happy that you're on it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great, Chantelle. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Absolutely. Like you said, my name is Chantelle. I live in the beautiful state of Kansas, and I have two parts of my life right now. In the daytime, I am a special educator working with special education teachers and supporting special education students. And then in my evenings and weekends, I have a side business where I get to do fun things like this and connect with people all over the world and share how people on their journey can create a life that they love. That is the title of my book and my podcast as Create a Life You Love. And for listeners who want to read the book and want to listen to the podcast, the links will be in the show notes. Awesome. Chantel, please tell us your story. Yeah, so... I was not a few years ago who I am today. (laughs) Six years ago, I left uh, a marriage where there was a lot of physical, mental, and emotional abuse. And so when I left, I had to completely rebuild myself because looking back, I don't even feel like I was human when I left. I was so broken down. And when I entered the marriage, I was not in a healthy space or I would have seen the warning signs, but I saw all the things that he portrayed. (laughs) And I just wanted so desperately to feel like I was worthy of love and get that at whatever means necessary. So once I was able to break free from that through a great support system, I was very blessed with the family and friends that I had that helped me get out and stay out of that situation. Then I had to, for the first time ever, really take a hard look at my life and figure out that what I had been doing for the past 30 years was not working. So I had to do something different. Chantel, before we get into that, can you please give us some background? How long did your marriage last? How did you get into that marriage? Is there any background prior to the marriage that led you into the marriage? Absolutely. I've always struggled with anxiety and depression and very low self-esteem and self-worth. And that led me into dating people that mirrored that. If I ever met somebody who was like complimentary and kind, (laughs) it counterdicted what I believed about myself and what I was worth. And so I'd push them away and be like, oh, there's something wrong with that person. So I was attracted to the people who treated me the way I felt I deserved to be treated. Perfect law of attraction story. Mm -hmm. And how long was your marriage? Yeah, I met him on (laughs) Match.com, and from our first date to when the judge had me sign the divorce papers was only about two years, just slightly over two years. Okay. What made you realize that you were in an abusive marriage? I didn't recognize the mental, emotional signs 
in the beginning and he did not live near me. I had to relocate in order to marry him. And so I left my support system. I left my family, my friends, my job um, and moved to where he was living and then was very isolated. He would not allow me to have friends, even the teachers that I was teaching with at the school I was working at. I wasn't allowed to hang out with them very much outside of school. He was very controlling, uh, very manipulative, very jealous, all those red flags that I could now look back and see. But in the time, just thought, oh, he just loves and cares about me. (laughs) So tell us about what triggered. I'm thinking there has to be some kind of a trigger that you felt or experienced and said, that's it. I need to do something about this. Yeah. What happened for me was prior to him even driving the two and a half hours to meet me for our first date, I had told him, I said, you are divorced. You have a three-year-old son. I've never been married. I don't have kids. I want kids. So if you don't want more kids, don't even come up here and meet me because that's a deal breaker for me. I was very upfront and clear with that. And he gave me this big song and dance, painted this beautiful picture of how he wanted more kids and siblings for his son and all this. And so I said, all right, well, let's have a first date and let's see where it goes. And things move very quickly. (laughs) It was kind of a fairy tale whirlwind romance where Uh I just kept saying, man, he just seems too good to be true. So red flag. (laughs) (laughs) If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And so he just was feeding me everything that I wanted to hear. And so fast forward to shortly before I left, We were coming up on my 30th birthday, and our plan was to begin a family. We had bought a new house. We had picked out the room that was going to be our nursery. And so we're coming up to that, and all of a sudden, he started saying things like, well, now that my son is a little bit older, I just don't know that I want to do the diaper thing all over again. And I know that's a deal breaker, so if you need to leave, I get it. And I'm like, what? Because I also shared very openly before we got married that I come from a religious household and I did not ever plan to get divorced. So I was like, if ever, before we get married, you have any sense that this might not be forever, you've got to let me know because once we say those vows, you're stuck with me. Uh And so for him to then say, I know it's a deal breaker. Sorry. I I get it that you have to leave. And I was like, no, I don't get to leave. Like I'm stuck here. We've got to figure this out. We had some physical altercations prior, but that's really when the physical ramped up significantly. And so after I had been gone very unexpectedly, no plan, just he went to work and I left. (laughs) And it was my 30th birthday and I had two friends visiting me and we just loaded up and left. And it took five weeks for the lawyers to get everything kind of in a place where I could go back and get my big things that didn't just fit in my car. Mm -hmm. And in just five weeks, he had already moved in somebody. There was a living in that in our nursery. And I mean, nobody was home when we were there, but you could see the diapers and the trash can. You could see the baby clothes, like everything was a few week old, very new, new, new baby. So 
I piece together in my head and I don't know if it's true. And even if I were ever to contact him and ask, I would never get the truth. <laughs> so he is not a truthful person. And I'm super blessed to not have any contact with him. And yes, I believe that he was cheating on me and he got someone else pregnant and needed me out of the picture. So he gave me an out of this is a deal breaker. I get that you have to leave. And when I didn't leave, the abuse ramped up. And had I not left that day on my own free will, myself and my family believe he would have killed me. So the physical abuse was really accelerated. And I want to ask you this for the benefit of the listeners, because there may be a few or many who may be in a situation like yours. Did you ever get in touch with the police when the physical abuse was ramping up? I did not. And I regret that looking back because once I made the decision to leave, at that point, I had no physical evidence. I mean, he was always very careful with where and how and everything. So there wasn't ever a lot of bruising, but yeah, I never made a report close to it. So after I had left and now some time has passed, we reached out to the local police down there and kind of asked what would happen. And they said, you're welcome to file a report. It would start a paper trail in case anybody else ever raised a complaint against him. But really, it's your word against his. It's not going to do anything. And I knew it would just make him angry. And so I just opted for a clean break. We did not have children together. My dad and the lawyers took over all communication. I never spoke with him again. And it was just done. You were blessed. You're right. You were blessed to have a supportive family that saw you through the ordeal. And of course, two years may seem to you like forever. But again, two years is not that long. And so you, again, are blessed to have gotten out of that situation in two years where I've had people tell me they were in there for decades before they could even manage an out. Absolutely. I do believe that had we had children together, I would have stayed longer. I think that way overcomplicates things. And had I not had the support system that I had, I had opened up and shared with my friends the night before they were visiting me for my 30th birthday. And so then I shared with one of them, my best friend who happens to be a social worker. And I was kind of elusive and vague, but she knew enough to be like, okay, this isn't okay. And so the next morning she was like, I can't leave you here. And I was on summer vacation um, from teaching. And so I was like, okay, let's go. I'll stay with my sister. We'll get counseling. This will be a separation. This will help make our marriage stronger that we're going to get the help that we need. This will be a wake up call for him. But that's not what happened. <laughs> I did end up filing for divorce the next day after I removed myself from the situation. And after my dad, who is very much the religious uh, leader of our household, and I think I wasn't ready to consider divorce because I didn't want to disappoint him. And when he knelt down on my level and looked me in the eyes and said, do you think this is salvageable? And I said, I don't know. And he said, I don't think it's salvageable. And if you go back, the next time I see you will be in a body bag. And so I said, what do I do? And he said, lawyer up. 
Thank really. goodness for fathers. Yes. Yeah. So without him, without that guidance, without the support, I mean, I got to stay with my sister and her family for a period of weeks before I was able to get my stuff together and get my own apartment and get set up on my own. So I had supports in place within 24 hours after leaving. I had contacted an administrator I worked with before and they said, okay, do you want this position or this position? So everything just fell in place nice. in a way that I'm like, okay, now I've filed, I have a place to live, I have a job, I've quit my job down there, I can do this. Chantel, I, I heard you say that there was emotional and mental abuse as well, but when you were in that situation, you did not recognize them as such. In hindsight, what were they? And again, this is for the listeners. If they are in the middle of this situation, how are they going to recognize that this is really not okay and it's either mental or emotional abuse? In my situation, he is a narcissist and I did not know what that meant. I'd heard the term, oh, don't be so narcissistic. And I thought it meant kind of self-centered, like, oh, you think the world revolves around you, that kind of thing. But it is a personality disorder. And not all narcissists are abusers, but they do have some very similar patterns. Now in my journey, as I've connected with other women who have been in relationships with men who were narcissists, there's a lot of similar patterns and we all end up saying the same things like, well, he said this one thing to me and it struck me as weird. Like, why would he say that? But he presents himself as so kind and loving. Surely I misunderstood. Like I didn't hear him correctly and that's so embarrassing. So I'm not going to ask him about it because it would just upset him. And he's so wonderful. It really messes with your head. And he really presented himself as just this wonderfully amazing man that I wanted so badly to marry and build a family with. So anytime he said something that I was like, oh, that was kind of hurtful. Why would he say that? I would reflect it back on me. Mm. Of, did, did I deserve that? Did I misunderstand that? Surely he couldn't have said that or he couldn't have meant that. Yeah. So when your gut is telling you like, hmm, that doesn't sit right. Listen to your gut. Okay. I have one other question before we get to the life lesson. When the physical abuse started, why did you not call out then? What made you stay even after the physical abuse started? So the first time it ever got physical that I recall, I guess the first time it got physical enough that it got my attention that, whoa, this isn't good. He had just gotten back from a deployment. I had just moved down there. So we were, these were all the rationalizations. I was telling myself why it was okay. Was We were adjusting to each other. We were a couple weeks from our wedding. It was a very stressful time. And he said, I didn't handle my stress well. And I was stressing him out and I was spiraling. And so then it agitated him and I just needed to calm down. It was always my fault. Then when he did physically attack me and I did pack a bag and I did drive away and I did sit in a parking lot of a hotel crying, um, about to call my mom and say, what do I do when he called me 
and did the whole big, we've all seen a Lifetime movie, <laughs> did the whole song and dance mm -hmm. and story that this has never happened before. This will never happen again. Let's just get through this wedding. This is a really stressful time. I'm so sorry. I love you. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so you went back and then it continued. I hear you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've experienced this. You've gone through this. What was your life lesson from all of this? My life lesson is that no matter where you are today, you are not stuck. You may be in a similar situation or you may just be feeling like I'm always going to be struggling with depression or anxiety, or I'm always going to be in this job I'm miserable in. I'm always going to be in this relationship that's not fulfilling. Wherever you are today, you're not stuck. There's a whole world ahead of you. And you can do something today that makes tomorrow better and do something tomorrow that makes the next day better. So where you are today is not where you need to be next week or five years from now. And I want to ask you to tell us when you realized that you were not stuck, how did you incorporate that lesson in your life? I really dove deep into the personal development, self-help world, reading books, listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, and then putting those things into action. And then that led me to have my own personal transformation, which then led to my family and friends watching me transform before their eyes and then saying, okay, what are you doing? And how do I do some of that too? And so then that led to me compiling, I'm a teacher, so I compiled it into little lessons with little worksheets and activities and homework and <laughs> started teaching my immediate circle. And then that led into the book and then, which has led into uh, my coaching program and now the podcast. Can I ask you to share one lesson from your book? One of the things that really ignited my transformation was busting out of my comfort zone. So I am pretty introverted, shy. I use the example in my book that my sister's six years younger than me. And even when we were as a family would go out to dinner at like the Olive Garden and I'd be looking around the table and I'd be like, does anyone else have to use the bathroom? And they're like, just go. It's right over there. I'm like, oh, I don't need to go. It's fine. And then my sister, who's six years younger, would be like, come on, sissy, I'll take you. And I was so terrified to walk through a crowded restaurant to go to the bathroom by myself because I'm like, oh, people are looking at me and judging me. No one cares, but <laughs> no one's paying attention to me. But I didn't feel that way at the time. So I've always been very insecure and things like that. And so six months after my divorce, I wrote down all the things that I wanted to do in life. And one of them was learn how to salsa dance. And again, I tried so hard to get someone to hold my hand and take me to salsa class and go do that with me. And there were no takers. So I had to go on my own. And that just snowballed opening a whole new world for me of new positive friends and influences and a whole community uh, that really embraced me and just changed my world forever. And then what happens is once you get out of your comfort zone and you keep doing that and practicing that, just all kinds of things open up, all kinds of opportunities. So it went from being scared to go to one salsa class to, oh, now I'm scared to 
dance outside of the dance studio and social gatherings. Okay, now I'm scared to perform. Now I'm scared to travel and perform. All these things opened up that your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden you have doors open to you that you didn't know existed. And just like with writing my book. I was going to write my book, done. I shared my story. I helped some people. Okay, move on with my life. Well, writing the book had people contacting me and saying, how do I work with you? How do I hire you? How can we go through this book more in depth together? And I'm like, oh, okay, let me go figure out how to do that. Let me get a coaching certification so I can make sure I do this uh, really well and give you the transformation that you are looking for. And then people are asking me to be on their podcast and then people are saying you should have a podcast and now I have a podcast and I was terrified my first podcast interview and that was like a year ago and now I have yesterday I released my 20th podcast episode so you never know where your journey is going to lead you if you take the time to really bust out of your comfort zone right and that's all because you decided to get out of your comfort zone and go for that first salsa class exactly Chantel, it was wonderful talking to you. This was a good story, and I'm sure it's going to help those who are, even if they're not in a similar situation, even if there is anything that's happening in their lives that's remotely related to this, they know that they have this life lesson, and they know that there is also a book out there that they can read about. So thank you for being on the show. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. Listeners, Chantel's story, as much as it is unique to her, is not that uncommon. We hear it all too often. If you go back to episode 10 of Sharing Life Lessons, Emily Davis tells us a similar story. And her life lessons were, external validation is a myth. Be your own cheerleader. And so listeners, if any of you find yourself in a similar situation, firstly, know that you're not alone. There have been and there are many who are in similar situations. Secondly, know that you don't have to remain in an abusive relationship. You can definitely get yourself out of it. And finally, that is exactly why we run these stories and life lessons, just so that you can learn from these life lessons and you can get tools from people who were in similar situations and have successfully gotten out of those situations. And so maybe you can use those tools and get yourself out of the situation as well. And as always, here are some of my key takeaways from my discussion with Chantel. You are not stuck. There is a whole world ahead of you. Use your support system when you need to. Get out of your comfort zone. And if you keep practicing that, all kinds of opportunities open up for you. And finally, the big one, which I truly, truly believe in, listen to your gut. Just listen to your gut. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.